Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. We have Kathleen, who is a member of our community on today's podcast. She's going to share her story. Before we get to that, here's someone who rated this podcast on Apple Podcasts that gave us a five-star review. They say they get it. It is life-giving to know you will be believed when no one else knows and to know you are not crazy. It's the fog of abuse. This podcast and the BTR support group are giving me strength I need to make a plan and get to safety. I will be forever grateful for this work. Thank you to those of you who have reviewed the podcast. Every single one of your ratings helps isolated women find us. So if you haven't already and you're so inclined, go to Apple Podcasts and give this podcast a five-star review. Summer is approaching very quickly and summer is a big time for abuse episodes and they usually happen or they can happen on car rides, long trips with family or uh, family vacations. Yeah, it is a rough time and we are here for you throughout the summer. We're not going anywhere. To see our group session schedule that has multiple sessions a day in every single time zone, go to btr.org and we'd love to see you in a session today. I have a member of our community on today's episode. We're going to call her Kathleen and she's going to just start right in with her backstory and then we're going to talk to her about what happened. So welcome Kathleen. Hi Anne, thanks for having me on today. Yeah, we're grateful that you're brave enough to share your story to help other women. Sharing your story helps us to heal. It helps us to feel heard and know that we can share. So why don't you start with your backstory? What was your situation? So I guess from day one of my marriage, I just felt like something just wasn't right. And I could never put my finger on it. We were, I thought, happily married, had a child. And then shortly after my second child was born, I just had a feeling that something wasn't right. And I found out, unfortunately, that my husband was into pornography. And that was just devastating. I just felt like everything was over. Although I didn't want to end the the marriage, I just felt like my perfect world with my newer marriage, my two sweet children, our, our sweet little family was just ruined. It just was not what I thought it was. And we immediately tried to get help. He unfortunately was lying to me about the cause of his use of pornography. He blamed it on my pregnancy with my first and second child. I later found out that he was addicted to porn since he was a child. He was about eight years old when he started. And long story short, many years down the road, found out that he was sexually abused by a brother and cousin as well. So it just, for years, went on him dabbling in help, never getting real help or getting to recovery. And I just kept with it, trying to stay strong, trying to stay in the marriage. I never even really thought about leaving the marriage, but we just kept going and we had our good times and then our bad times. And when things were bad, they were very bad. Things were good sometimes, but it was really not much to hold on to. So we went on like this for probably 14, 15 years until we started to get help together. And through working with them over about a two year period, I started to see, and they also started to see that my husband just did not want to do the work to get better. So they had to stop working with him, which then made us pretty much come to a halt. We were separated 
about two summers ago for three months. He was able to come back, and about two months after that, he was out for good. And since then, I've been blamed for everything. So let's talk about those years of thinking he has a porn addiction and going down that route for a little while. Did you ever consider that you were dealing with an emotional and psychological abuser? I had no idea. I had no idea. And did anyone ever mention it to you? Like, he's using porn, he's doing this. Did anyone ever say, have you ever considered that you're in an abusive relationship? No, never. If anything, it was the opposite. It was, let's help him. Let's see what we could do to help him. Or he's such a good guy. We can't understand why he's doing this thing. Let's get him some help. Absolutely. Yeah. Or his past, you know, he had a rough upbringing. So this is why he's doing it. Right. Yeah. I often say, I know several people who have had a really super hard upbringing and they're not abusers. So it's not really a reason to be abusive. He went for years to a well-known Catholic counselor and men's purity groups. Um, Do you feel like they really understand the abusive nature of this for the victims? Absolutely not. We started off with this one counselor that was the well-known Catholic counselor in the porn expertise. And... I started to feel like I was blamed. I was about to be blamed in this situation, and I just bailed quickly. Something in my gut told me, get away. So then last year or so, I heard that he might have changed the way he was helping women and couples. So I decided, let me give it another try. It was at least 15 years later, and unfortunately, it was just the same thing. (laughs) So it was one session and done. So... No, there is no change. And it's very unfortunate because these seem to be the people that are known to be, you know, turned to when you have a problem. And it just causes more trauma for the women. Right. So what are some of the things that the priests said to you or did that was so traumatizing that ended up blaming you rather than holding the perpetrator accountable? In my parish? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually was being supported by my parish priest. When you mean support, when you say supported, do you mean financially? Not financially. There's really no financial support. It was just an emotional support. He listened. He understood. He was the one who suggested I might have to have a separation with my husband, which I took that very seriously. And maybe four months later, we were separated. And... I guess after my husband went and talked to the pastor of the church, the pastor and the parish priest both decided to take sides with him, which I don't even know why a side had to be taken. I can tell you why. (laughs) Go ahead. A side does need to be taken. A neutral party will always benefit the perpetrator. So a side does need to be taken. The problem is, most of the time, they side with the perpetrator (laughs) instead of the victim. Because in an abuse situation, there's a perpetrator and a victim. So if you stay neutral and say, well, she's got her side of the story and he has his side of the story and the truth is somewhere in the middle, that means that you can kind of believe what he is saying a little bit. And maybe she's lying a little bit rather than recognizing 
No, this is a perpetrator who's going to do everything he can to avoid accountability and blame his victim and a victim who's telling the truth, who's trying to get to safety, right? So it's really important for people to take sides, but they need to take sides with the right party. They need to protect the victim and stop the perpetrator from doing any more harm. But I just think it's interesting that any type of neutrality or even thinking, well, he couldn't be that bad, is really harmful to the victim. Right. And that's a lot of what I've been experiencing. He's been getting into the ear of anybody who knew us and telling them how horrible I have been. Getting back to the priest, the priest was the one who was spreading that I was a liar and I have manipulated the entire situation. Anybody in the situation that I was in would have taken the advice of him to get help, which I don't even know what help he was talking about. (laughs) Also, people don't understand that an abuser claiming that his victim is the abuser is abuse. Absolutely. Right. So this abuse has not only extended to him lying to everybody about you and blaming you, but also roping third party people like a priest in your parish or other people to also abuse you through blaming you. That's exactly what's happening now. And I can honestly say that this secondary abuse is way worse than what I experienced directly from my husband. Mm hmm. Why would you say that is? I agree with you. I've experienced it as well, and I I agree. But for our listeners, in your opinion, why do you think that is? Well, I think, first of all, it's my own healthy pride, I guess. Just I want to be an upstanding Christian and a good person. And now people see me as a liar and a manipulator, which I'm not. The other part of it is that, you know, I've lost my community. I had to leave my church and go to a different church. And... It's very hard because I feel like a lot of people look down their nose at me and I just try to hold my head high and have faith in God to get me through. So when did you realize that all of these years of something's not quite right and he's got this porn issue, when did you realize that that was just flat out emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion? I always knew that it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't healthy but I didn't realize it was abuse until after our second separation. I actually was just surfing the internet one night, looking at abuse, and decided to call our local abuse shelter. And I called and said, I don't know if I'm being abused. And from the information that I gave them about what had happened to me, they assured me that I was absolutely being abused. And they also helped me to see that other behaviors that had happened in our marriage were abuse that I didn't even realize was wrong. I mean, I've been emotionally, psychologically, financially, and even physically, I didn't even realize I was being physically abused. Did that shock you? Because you'd never called any an abuse specialist before, right? You'd always called maybe a, a marriage counselor or a some type of clergy or some kind of pornography addiction specialist. So were you shocked that immediately right out of the gate, these people who never talked to you before were like, yeah, this is super abusive and that you'd never heard it from anyone else? I was, and I felt it was such a disadvantage. I always going through this, it was always focusing on his porn addiction. And I was always searching for porn addiction for spouses, you know, had the help for that. And I couldn't find anything. 
And it was mind boggling and maddening to know that there was nothing out there, especially with the um, growing numbers of pornography abuse. You know, the only thing I could find for women was that sometimes women abuse porn as well, but that wasn't my situation. I was somebody being, you know, mistreated in a, in a marriage where pornography was used. And that was part of it. I never really wanted to go to marriage counseling. For some reason, I knew in my gut it was not a marriage issue. I knew it was his porn issue and his problem from his, his childhood. So I was grateful for that. But it was really hard to find help. When did you find BTR? I think I found it probably about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Just happened to find a BTR online and saw that there was a podcast and religiously started to listen because it was the only place that really got it. What did you think after years of the help him, be gentle with him because he has these childhood problems, you know, let's try not to trigger him, don't shame him, you know, those types of, are you a good wife? Are you giving him sex when he needs it? You know, whatever things you got. What did you think after coming to BTR and listening? What did that feel like for you? I guess I just felt like a, there was a place that understood what it really was. And I knew that it was just the right place to be to get the information that I needed to educate myself. So a lot of this I knew, but I didn't really educate myself until after I was separated from my husband. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you know it in your gut, but you don't have words for it. You don't have a place to process it appropriately. Because if you try to process it with like the pornography addiction people and they tell you, no, it's you and you need to be patient or whatever, then it halts your processing, right? It kind of stops you. And so you can't quite ever, it's like floating around, but you can't ever grab it. It's like foggy and you can't quite get out of that fog. Right. I always knew, like I always had the gut feeling and I would thankfully go with my gut feeling, but I could never put my finger on where things were going wrong. I mean, I never caught him using porn again. And I always was killing myself with the question is, is he using or is he not? He claimed sobriety. But based on what I know now and looking back, I know he was still using. I know he was because I know the way he behaved. I knew the way that he kept me at a distance. He wouldn't engage with me at all emotionally, which devastated me. It was like I was a stranger in our house, but outside he acted like husband of the year. He would talk me in front of other people. He would act like he was just so in love when he was with me in public, which is part of the reason why people just don't understand the situation and they believe him that I'm the liar and the manipulator. When you changed your outward talk from he's a porn addict to he's abusive, did the third party people get more angry with you? Are they like, whoa, wait a minute. You've said he's a porn addict. Now you're claiming he's an abuser? I mean, was it sort of like, did they get more upset? Well, not really because nobody knew he was a porn user. That was kept secret. It was my own private secret that I lived in. My family didn't know. Our friends didn't know. Nobody knew. Okay. So you weren't telling people this. I didn't tell people I was very much ashamed that that was in our marriage. 
Okay. But did you start telling people when you recognized it was abuse? Did you start saying, I'm in an abusive relationship? Right. Once we were separated for the second time and, and it was pretty much out there that we were no longer together. Yes. I was telling people that he had abused pornography and that he was abusive. And I was trying to get myself to safety. How did that go over with safe people? I guess it went over well if they're safe. Sorry, that's a stupid question. Absolutely. Absolutely. My family has been so supportive, tremendously supportive, even more than I even thought that they could be. And I've had friends that I wasn't that close with, but they understood because of their own experiences through their life that they became rock, like a rock to me. But then a lot of people that I thought I could count on just disappeared or sided with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen that happen too. It's really interesting. Even a couple of friends that we had that her husband is also a porn user have decided to side with my ex. And I just think that's really interesting. But they, they're still married, so I wonder if they think... Well, if we talk to Anne, you know, she's so intent on calling this abuse, maybe our marriage would be in jeopardy. So we don't really want to go down that route. I, I'm not sure why they've decided to do that. But he's still exhibiting abusive behaviors from my perspective. But of course, they can't see that. So I'm like, why would you want to be friends with an abuser? That makes no sense to me. But Right. And also, I think we can clearly see that they're lying and manipulating people, but they can't see it. No. And, you know, there is a part of me that has a little sympathy for the third party people. I believed my husband's lies for years. I mean, my whole relationship was based on lies. Yep. Well, and if we couldn't see it, right, then like they don't even live with them. So, of course, it would be hard for them to see it, too. Right. He's good at lying. Mm-hmm. Good at manipulation. Good at good at grooming, really. Absolutely. So a lot of women who are hoping that their relationship is going to work out and hoping that once he's confronted about his abusive behaviors, that he can get into some type of program and get help. And if they go down the pornography addiction recovery route, many CSATs do what is known as a full disclosure, where the abuser is supposed to outline all of his sexual indiscretions, but doesn't necessarily include all abuse episodes. So since you went down that route for a little while, did you ever have a quote-unquote full disclosure with the help of a pornography addiction specialist? No, unfortunately I did not. Anything that I found out about my husband was either me finding out by catching him or him over the years basically drip feeding me information and I would figure things out. Mm. You say, unfortunately, is that something that you think would have helped you or why did you say, unfortunately? Well, I guess I say, unfortunately, because without any truth, there is no basis for your relationship and I never received truth. So I feel like that's part of the reason or a main reason why my marriage fell apart. It was just never bound to make it from the get-go. But if I had some truth at some point, if he was truthful with me, I felt like I feel like maybe we could have fixed things and worked on it better. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because a lot of people get a full disclosure, but it's it's not a full disclosure. So 
There are times where they claim to have told the whole truth, but it's not the full truth. And that like fake full truth is very, very difficult for victims because they think, oh, finally we have the whole truth, but they don't. The other thing I think is interesting is um, fake histories that they might give as excuses. So I am not about to say that your husband wasn't actually abused, but some of them do say things like that as an excuse. And for example, I know of one abuser who told his victim that he was sexually abused by a neighbor, but she is now 100% convinced that he was the one that sexually abused the neighbor. I believe there could be some truth to that. I always took what my husband told me with a grain of salt, but being that he said he was abused, I took it seriously just to protect my children. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's one thing that's difficult to know when you're dealing with an abusive and manipulative man who is willing to lie at all costs is the truth that you think you know might not even be the truth at all. And a full disclosure might not even be a full disclosure. So I want to give women who are like, man, I wish I could have gotten a full disclosure or, you know, I wish he would have told me the truth and let them know that if someone does not want to tell you the full truth, they might pretend to give it to you. And that might be just as harmful as not knowing anything. You know, I don't know how to say it any differently, but if there's no way on earth, and I literally mean on earth, like perhaps after we die, God will help us know exactly what the truth is. But when we're dealing with someone who lies at this scale, what worries me is the fake truth that women think that they receive. And then they feel safe because they feel like they've received it all when it's just the tip of the iceberg. That's a good point. And I think that with you know, my husband, the way he is, nothing that ever came out of his mouth to me was truthful. So I really don't trust that what he told me is the whole truth and the absolute truth. I know there is so much more. We're going to pause here and continue Kathleen's story next week. So stay tuned. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please support it. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.